Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are recognizing our authority to make thoughtful and qualified decisions on our behalf as we give ourselves permission to move forward. Wherever you are, stuck or detained, you have the right to take the necessary actions to heal, inform, forgive, and let go. Only from this type of feeling will you find the motivation to take the next step. So many of us find ourselves at one point or another trapped by regret, grief, anger, self-doubt, and more. We get so focused on trying to figure out the why of what happened that we can't move past this rumination stage. Here, we're stunted without the ability to see the bigger or better vision that lies just beyond the haze. Right now, let's make the commitment to avoid saying things like, I can't, I've already tried that, no one understands what I'm going through, or this is hopeless. Those types of sentiments don't belong in our internal narrative or coming out of our mouths to anyone. Remember, what you practice, you perfect. With that in mind, where do you want to put your time, effort, and energy? Finding a new path forward or finding a way to transcend time and rewrite the past? I don't know about you, but one seems pretty obvious. Okay then, how do we move forward? What do you need to uncover, untangle, or unlearn to allow yourself a free passage? If life is a lesson, then that would be the natural place to start. What can you learn? Up close and personal, it may be hard to see the point, but let's crawl up to our higher vantage point with the wide-angle lens to get the bigger picture. Joshua Becker begs, don't forget the past. Learn from it. Found at becomingminimalist.com. Edmund Burke said, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. There's a popular adage in our society that goes something like this. Forget the past. Don't worry about the future. Live in the present. There is truth to this statement. Far too many of us live defined by the choices we made in our past. This shouldn't be the case. After all, each new day presents opportunity to become a new person on a new road destined for a new future. But those who choose to simply forget the past miss out on its fullest potential. There are valuable lessons to be learned from it, and those who choose to ask the right questions about their past are most prepared to live life to the fullest in the present. Consider the lessons we can learn from our past. By simply asking the right questions, we can discover strengths that define us, the talents and abilities we use to navigate and provide value to this world define the lives we live and the change we can offer. And by recalling our strengths in the past, we can better recognize our opportunities in the present. By simply asking the right questions, we can discover weaknesses that frustrate us. We all have weaknesses in personality and competence. When left unaddressed, 
these weaknesses limit our potential for impact and significance. Discover them, recognize them, and learn to overcome them by seeking the help of others. When we ask questions, we can find the causes that energize us. Our lives find the greatest joy when we help others discover theirs. Which social causes have energized you in the past? What role were you able to fulfill in helping others? And how can similar pursuits bring new energy into your life today? When we ask questions, we can find relationships that inspire us. Over the course of our lives, there are no doubt a number of people who have inspired us to become better versions of ourselves. What traits do they have in common? And can you surround yourself with more people like them today? When we ask ourselves questions, we can uncover environments that derail us. The company we keep and the cultures we function in either bring us inspiration or derail our progress. Are there relationships in your past that continually brought you down and resulted in destructive decisions? If so, learn from your past to avoid them. When we ask questions, we find habits that invigorate us. Over the course of our lives, we employ a variety of disciplines to make the most of it. We discover a new diet, a new fitness practice, or a new morning routine. We experiment with them. Some work, some don't. Eventually, these new disciplines either become habits or they fade from our memory. Look back. Recognize the habits that brought you energy, health, and invigoration into your life and embrace them again. When we ask questions, we find affections that bring us to joy. Various matters of our mind and affections of our heart bring different amounts of joy, meaning, and fulfillment into our lives. What affections during life brought you the most joy? And have you gotten away from them? If so, return. And in so doing, recognize what distracted you from them in the first place. questions, you find pursuits that distract us. Ultimately, the decisions we make with the resources we've been given determine the life we end up living. Most of the resources we have at our personal disposal are finite and limited. Money, time, energy. By definition, the allocation of them towards one pursuit limits the amount of resources we have available towards others. It's wise to recognize the subtle pursuits that routinely distract you from the truest desires of your heart. When we ask questions, we find addictions that control us. We are a people that too often give control to our most precious asset to another. We fall under the influence of substances, possessions, or entertainment. And when we do, our life is no longer our own. Identify the reoccurring controlling substances or addictions in your life and humbly seek the help needed to remove their influence over you. 
When we ask questions, we find temptations that trip us up. Similar to addictions, we each have unique weaknesses to temptation. These temptations may vary in nature, but each detract from the fullest life possible. But they don't need to define us. We can begin anew. However, only those who can identify and admit their mistakes in the past have opportunity to learn from them in the future. When we ask questions, we find learning styles that suit us. We all learn differently. Some are visual learners, some are verbal, some learn best in group settings while others learn best alone. Your learning style is as unique as your fingerprint. The important thing is to recognize and understand what style suits you best. This life ought to be filled with constant learning, and the sooner we recognize how we learn best, the sooner we'll begin to grow into it. When you ask questions, you find motivations that compel you. Deep in our heart, our motivations run supreme. It determines the decisions we make, the use of our time, and the words we choose to use. Understanding our deepest motivations is a difficult task. It requires stillness, patience, and constant self-evaluation. But the more we discover why we do the things we do, the easier it is for us to make the most of the present we're living in today. If we start asking the right questions, there are countless life-giving lessons we can learn from our past. Never feel that you've been defined by it, but it would be equally foolish to forget it completely when it offers so much potential for the present. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, in the grand scheme of things. See, my vantage point visualization isn't a revelation, but a practice that has always been around. When people talk about the scheme of things or the grand scheme of things, they're referring to the way that everything in the world seems to be organized. If we look through a larger lens, we realize that we're infinitely small within the grand scheme of things. To me, it says, before you buy into the stickiness of where you are, back out and look at the bigger picture. From this point, can you see your way through? Nothing is impossible. It's true, things might not work out as you've planned or meet your expectations, but all is not lost. You may have to rethink what success looks like or take a different route. You may have to admit you don't have it all figured out and ask for help. You might have to grant yourself permission. Aisha Bo shares a beginner's guide to giving yourself permission found on theshineapp.com. When giving advice to friends, it's so easy to say things like, you got this, just go for it, you deserve better, and so forth. Yet, have you ever noticed that when it's time to give ourselves the same energy, we become less inclined? You're not alone. For a lot of us, it's difficult to give ourselves permission to go for what we want and know we deserve. This hesitance to give ourselves permission is often deeply rooted in self-belief and can be swayed by our internal self-doubt. 
But what if we did give ourselves permission and opened up ourselves to the potential of our greatness? Here's a hint. We'd create more space for things to happen. When you give yourselves permission, you are able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. This comes from Nedra Twab. She's a licensed therapist. She tells Shine, permission says that you are open to the possibility of positive things happening. Without permission, there is no growth. We tend to allow outside factors, such as a lack of experience or resources, to hold us back from making life-changing decisions. But all we're really waiting for is that green light, that permission to get started or take action. And though we may look for it from others, the best source is ourselves and doing what our gut tells us is necessary. Twab says imposter syndrome is one of the reasons some of us find it difficult to give ourselves permission. She describes it as the inability to accept your greatness, which can in turn limit your ability to truly enjoy life. Sometimes permission isn't all about the large-scale changes and can be as simple as allowing yourself to feel. When we give ourselves the space to acknowledge that we aren't happy or satisfied in our current situation, it opens up the possibility for change. Simply saying to yourself, I'm unhappy right now, instead of fighting it, can take some of the pressure off and give you room to develop a plan of action to change it. So how can you practice giving yourself permission on a regular basis? Twab says to focus on these three things. Grant yourself the compassion and understanding you extend to others so easily. Similar to the example made earlier, we're more willing to give our friends and loved ones encouragement and permission to take the next step. It's important to also give yourself the same consideration. You may not always succeed, but by putting yourself out there, you'll get closer to your goals. Praise your small wins and notice your baby steps towards change. There's power in the journey. We tend to get so wrapped up in the destination that we don't focus on the strides we're making along the way. By giving yourself permission to celebrate your wins, you're reinforcing that you are enough. Remove your ideas about how things are supposed to show up for you. We often get caught up in what the potential outcome of situations will be, which can lead us to not getting started or being disappointed if it doesn't go exactly as planned. This kind of fortune-telling, Twab says, will hold you back from getting the very best things that are good for you. It's important to hold off any predictions and instead lead with self-belief. When you let go of what you think will happen, you give yourself permission to see what happens, and that openness and self-trust can unlock so many doors. Then, all you have to do is give yourself permission to walk through them. Invite in someone else's opinion. When you keep your problem-solving to just internal conversations with you and your brain, you tend to go round and round adding assumptions and forcing conclusions. When you finally lay it out for someone else, 
It sounds like a jumbled mess. Like repeating some torrid soap opera drama that you're embarrassed you even know about. Before you reach an internal conclusion, talk with a trusted friend and brainstorm some alternatives. Your past regrets can become as comfortable as that Snuggie you got for Christmas. And without confronting them, you could be searching for the hat and gloves to match. Maralisa inspires us with 50 things to give yourself permission for. Found at daringtolivefully.com. The only person you need permission from is you. When we're kids, we have to ask permission for everything. We have to ask our parents for permission to ride our bikes outside, to watch TV, to have a snack. We have to raise our hands in class and ask for permission to speak. We even have to ask the teacher for permission to go to the bathroom. Then we grow up, but we continue to think that we have to ask others for permission. Well, guess what? You're an adult now. You no longer need anyone else's permission. The only person you need permission from is yourself. So here are 50 things you might want to give yourself permission for. I give myself permission to take breaks. To be lazy on Sundays. To sleep in and wear pajamas all day. I give myself permission to take good care of myself. To laugh to play, to make mistakes. I give my permission to say no to demands on my time that are simply draining. I give myself permission to remove toxic people from my life, to say yes to what I want, to go on adventures, to step outside of my comfort zone, to fulfill my lifelong dreams. I give myself permission to ask for what I want, to be who I am, to try again, to have fun. I give myself permission to give myself what I need, to design my own life, to ignore naysayers. I give myself permission to listen to my gut when it tries to tell me that something isn't right. I give myself permission to stay focused on what's important to me, to let go of the expectations of others, to have my own agenda, to be whatever body type I like. I give myself permission to be imperfect, to ask for help, to stop caring what others think of me, to write a lousy first draft, I give myself permission to move on, to pivot. If I don't like the direction I'm moving in, I can shift direction. I give myself permission to start over. I give myself permission to create, paint, play an instrument, compose songs, knit, and so on. I give myself permission to start a business, to make more money, to validate myself. I give myself permission to be a beginner and be comfortable with not knowing when I'm learning something new. I give myself permission to grow, to be happy, to smile a lot, to succeed. I give myself permission to eat anything I want in moderation. 
I give myself permission to start now, even if I don't have all my ducks in a row, to act boldly, to forgive myself for the times I haven't acted in the best way I could have, for the times I've let opportunities slip by, and for the times I haven't stood up for myself. I give myself permission to release the past. I give myself permission to be okay with where I am now, to be a hero on a journey, to shine and stand out, to step into greatness, and to conquer the world. The next time you feel like you have to ask someone else's permission for something that you need, look in the mirror and ask yourself. Then tell yourself, permission granted. Give yourself permission to live your best life. I don't know about you, but I feel fired up. Not only ready to let go and move on, but to take on whatever life is going to throw my way. Don't you love that feeling? Before you turn on the news or scroll your social feeds looking for drama, give yourself permission to re-energize with positivity. You can invite the feeling into your life at any moment. Write a few out and keep them on your desk, at work or by your bed, in your car, purse, or wallet. Part of letting go is to release yourself from regret, what could have happened, and what might have been. Cooper Vardy shares his insight on regret, how can we move past it, found on the TEDx YouTube channel. Let's take a listen. All right, so I was told never to begin a speech with an anecdote. Let's do just that. (laughs) Recently, I was faced with a dilemma, and people faced with dilemmas usually opt for the the easy, the comfortable way out. They don't like to take the path that forces them out of their environment into a hostile situation. And so it was I found myself contemplating on an answer to my own dilemma. I had a bus window, of course, as people do, on whether or not to enter a traditional Japanese hot spring or onsen. Now, I don't like heat, I don't like male nudity, and I'm not a big fan of spiritual cleanses, so (laughs) while this all sounds very minor, it's a big step. Knowing that, of course, I could have wasted away in the hotel room that night, waiting for dawn to come, but where's the fun in that? Where's the adventure? That adventure, of course, was boiling in water to the point where it's difficult to breathe, atop a snow-buffeted mountain in the middle of February, (laughs) surrounded by very loud, very elderly, and very naked Japanese men, (laughs) utterly bewildered at the encroachment of this foreigner to their sanctuary. So do I have an answer to the question, what was the absolute most awkward moment in your life? Without a doubt. But would I trade it for anything? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Because never again in my life will an opportunity like that present itself. (laughs) And what does any of this have to do with tonight? Why am I victimizing all of you with my dull dronings? Well, I want to talk about regret. It's a very natural human instinct, and according to a study done by Harvard Business Review, where 90% of people will tell you they have a major regret in their life, even recent. 
belongs to several categories. They can be family-related. I never quite got enough time with my kids or leisure. I never quite made it to Greece. But we've all got them. So what's yours? What is your biggest regret? You don't have to answer. You don't have to say it out loud. Feel free to. But just hold on to it for a moment. Keep it in the back of your head. And ask yourself, why do you regret your choice? Why do you lament the way you selected? Well, there's three key ingredients to regret, first of which is agency. You had the ability to decide what you did. If you walked out that door a few minutes earlier, you could have seen your father on his deathbed. Second, we have the imagination to think of what could have been. If I had just paid the extra $20 for a cab, I could have said goodbye. And finally, we have the pessimism to imagine we'd be in a better place. I wouldn't be oh so hollow if I had. Regrets, they're quantifiable, they fall into categories, and that makes it even easier to dissect them. You've got 32% of people claiming that their biggest regret has to do with their education, if only I'd finished high school or went to college. You've got another sizable 22% claiming that their career choices are their source of grief, while another sizable 15 will claim their romantic escapades. Rounding off another 25% or so are leisure time, medical situations, and, of course, parenting. Why does any of this matter? Why is it a big deal that we can quantify, that we can put into numbers this emotion, that we can break it down? The simple answer is, it means we can beat regret. We can move towards taming that dragon, that beast that holds us back from living. First step, of course, is responsibility. You have to decide what you do. You have to take control over your actions. If you choose to waste away in a room on a computer or a phone, that is no one's fault but your own. Do not mourn lethargy. The second step is stepping out of your comfort zone. If even just hearing about graduating college, getting a job, climbing up the corporate ladder for 40 years with clenched teeth, watching the kids move out, moving to Florida, and dying just sounds awful, why would you plan for it? Studies have shown that you will almost always regret inaction rather than doing stuff. So get out there and don't play safe. Ironically, it's too dangerous. Bonnie Ware, in her book, Regrets of the Dying, stated that every interviewee she spoke to, every single person on their deathbed said, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself. So if someone comes up to you and they say, hey, you want to go sleep in the Sahara for a few nights, some cave diving? You're going to say no, because it's a bit uncomfortable, a bit sandy for a few hours. It sounds ridiculous to put it like that, doesn't it? So why say no? Why not? Use the deathbed test. If you were told that today, this very second, was your last on Earth, would you be satisfied? If not, it's your job to fix that. Third, commitment and opportunity. To quote Thomas Edison, most people pass up opportunity because it dresses in overalls and looks like hard work. People seem to forget that a novel is written in single words, that a skyscraper is laying brick by brick, and that Rome wasn't built in a day. When you are looking down at that project that you've been working on for months, for years, for decades, the sweat, blood, and tears you poured into it, commitment to that project will make the outcome just that much more worth it. Fourth, you have to stop sawing the sawdust. The past is the past. If it's in shambles, it's in shambles. But that doesn't mean you have to blame yourself. You can forgive your actions. Do I regret flying 10,000 kilometers around the world, spending thousands of dollars to see someone that didn't love me anymore? Absolutely. But I can move beyond that. I can't let that hold me. You can't let that hold you back from living. Fifth and finally, self-absolution. 
past is the past, just again. You have to forgive yourself for any mistakes that you've made. If any regret has been from your own agency, has stemmed from your own decisions, there is nothing to stop you from amending it. Call up that friend you've been thinking of lately, haven't spoken to them in decades. If you didn't get enough time with your kids growing up, what's stopping you now? So where does that leave us? The road in front of you, no matter who you are, where you come from or where you are now, is a blank canvas. And I grew up with my very, very artsy mother always telling me to fight the white. Paint that canvas with the colors that you want. The strokes make the portraiture that you desire. We don't go to an art museum to see blank canvases, and we don't remember the people who didn't live interesting lives. To quote Ted Hughes, the British poet laureate, the only thing people regret is that they didn't live boldly enough, didn't invest enough heart, didn't love enough. Nothing else really matters at all. So yeah, regret. It's inescapable, but that's human, and having regrets points to the fact that you're less likely to become a serial killer. <laughs> Last year, Mr. Cuccinello came up and gave a talk and told the audience that death is the price of admission to life. What are you going to do to make it worth it? If that's the case, and I believe it is, then it is your job to make choices that you won't regret, to take action. Don't waste the gambles, because they're never going to come again. And if you do make a bad call, because everyone does, don't let it bog you down. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep on going. Because there's no regret in living a justifying life. Thank you. One of the hardest things about moving on is coming to a place of acceptance. For some, this may mean forgiving yourself or someone else. Remember the Snuggie? As painful as it can be sometimes, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. We started this by trying to find the lesson. If you accept that you only knew what you knew then, that you can't get time back, and by trying, you're robbing yourself the time that you have now, then you have no other choice but to move on. Dr. Patricia Hartnett leaves us with seven ways to get yourself unstuck found at psychologytoday.com. It's easy to get in a rut. Maybe you have goals, but for some reason, you're not reaching for them. Maybe self-judgment is causing you to lower your expectations or low self-worth is preventing you from making positive changes. You can also get stuck in worry, afraid to make a decision or change something in your life. Or maybe you're disappointed with how a particular situation turned out and it just feels too hard to move on. When we get stuck, we often wait for external change to happen. But change doesn't happen to us. It comes from within us. Change is scary and painful, but it's also necessary for getting unstuck. And when that happens, many opportunities open up. Number one, let go of the past. Of course, after you've learned the lesson, right? Listen to the stories in your head. Are you thinking about events that happened in the past? Are you unable to forgive yourself for the mistakes you made? Are you blaming yourself or others for things that did not turn out the way that you hoped? Ask yourself why you're stuck on these memories and what you can do to live without them, accept them, and move forward. You can't undo the past, but you can choose to find peace. Forgiving yourselves or others is a way to let go and move on. Number two, 
change your perspective. Once you release the grip of the past, you'll see your reality in new ways and feel freer to change your attitude. To gain a new perspective, meditate or spend time alone and listen to your inner voice. If you can travel or take a break from your daily routine to clear your mind, get distance from your current situation. Open yourself up to new people and new ideas and introduce regular physical activity into your routine. All of these changes will help you gain a new perspective on the future and what is possible. Number three, start with small changes. Change stimulates different parts of the brain that improve creativity and clarity of the mind. You can start small by changing your daily routines, moving things in your house, or making new friends. Every choice matters. You might be tempted to skip the little things because they don't seem important in the moment. But after a while, an accumulation of small things will help you accomplish your goals and you will start feeling unstuck. Number four, explore your purpose. Your life purpose is not just your job, your responsibilities, or your goals. It's what makes you feel alive. These are the things you're passionate about and will fight for. Here's some examples. Helping people overcome the sadness of being ill. Helping others reach their full potential. Growing as a human being. Protecting animals who suffer. You may need to change your life purpose if it no longer inspires you. Or if you feel like you haven't had a purpose, this is a great time to define it. Ask yourself the following questions as you consider your life purpose. What makes me happy? What were my favorite things to do in the past? What are my favorite things to do now? When do I enjoy myself so much or become so committed to something that I lose track of time? Who inspires me the most and why? What makes me feel good about myself? What am I good at? Number five, believe in yourself. Trust that you can reach your expectations and get out of your comfort zone. Make a list of your strengths and positive traits. And remember that you are very capable. Many people sabotage their own progress, consciously or unconsciously, as a result of deep-seated fears and limited beliefs. The first step to believing in yourself is to recognize your self-doubt. Pay attention to the ways you react to situations. Then you can work to reframe your self-doubt. Limitations like, I can't, or I don't know, can be replaced with, I can't do that yet, but I'm working on it, or I don't know now, but I will. Another way to instill confidence in your abilities is to write down your past successes and keep the notes on hand when you need proof that you can do things that are challenging or new. Number six, practice being hopeful. Maybe you have had a lot of disappointment that led to this moment in your life when you feel helpless. Maybe you're experiencing a naturally protective feeling of pessimism. This is something you will have to work to change. 
Find a practice like meditation, prayer, or reading inspirational books and do it regularly. Hope is not a permanent state. You need to work at it every day. And number seven, consider talking to a professional. If you find that you're unable to change unhealthy thought patterns, consider consulting a mental health provider to help you figure out why you're stuck and to find ways to get unstuck. Feeling stuck can be a part of a mental health disorder that can be effectively treated. Sometimes asking for help can be the most hopeful and powerful step you can take. share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, don't live with past regrets. Look for the lesson, forgive and give yourself permission to move forward. The best is yet to come. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone threw until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I want